Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. delighted to be joined by Natasha Clute, the proprietor of um, Tasha's Designs. I was first introduced to Tasha's work through a friend, uh, Finer Fabrics by Quinora, Quinora Renee. And I was overwhelmed by what Tasha had created. And I started reading a bit about her story on Etsy and how she started her shop in 2015. So I was really glad that she was able to take some time out of her very busy schedule to talk to us at Black Women Stitch and Stitch Please and help us get our stitch together with her amazing work. So welcome to the program, Natasha. Thank you so much. Thank you. So let's just get started about a little bit about your sewing background. How did you get started? Well, I've been sewing since I was really young. So about seven or eight, I guess. And um, sewing is just, I've been surrounded by seamstresses and crocheters and crafters. Uh, My mom's a seamstress. My grandmother sewed a little bit, but she's more of a crocheter. And I had a great aunt who was a seamstress. So that's kind of where I believe (laughs) the the love and and the gift came. So this is like a family inheritance kind of thing that you got. You grew up seeing these women around you making really great things. Did they do a lot of sewing for you as a child or when you were young? Did you do sewing for yourself or for dolls or that kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. Um, most of the you know church clothes and things of that nature, uh, sometimes school clothes were made. Um, we did a lot of matching and we laugh about it today, like how much uh our family photos, we all have the same fabric and the same, you know, the outfit is a little different, but, you know, you can tell that someone made it. So we always laugh about that. Um, as far as, uh, as a kid, I, obviously I wasn't on the sewing machine, you know, as a young child, but I started with paper dolls and, um, back then paper dolls came with a very limited amount of clothing in the little book that you got, the paper doll. Yes. And, yeah, and, uh, and it had the little tabs on the shoulders the that you could pin the over the shoulders. Yes. <laughs> very thin, very delicate. So it's um, like they wanted you to fail. It's like they, the paper doll <laughs> company, they wanted you to fail. They knew the good and well that giving this to a child who was going to be excited. And then the tabs rip off because when you take them out of the book, maybe you were too enthusiastic about, and then you had to tape them. Oh my gosh. I was like, they just, th- th- that was where I think I learned about built-in obsolescence. It was like those doggone paper dolls. <laughs> True. Uh, what I did was I started with, I started making my own with just lined paper, or if I could get my hands on regular plain white paper and I would just color it, whatever color I wanted. And, you know, those types of things. And as I got older, I started sketching. Wasn't the best. Um, and to this, to this day, I'm, I'm still not the best sketcher. However, I, I started sketching as a teenager and sketching design, sewing less, but uh, sketching more so. So that's when my love of design came in somewhere along that time frame. Um, then and from there, it's it kind of just sat with me. <laughs> I, it seems like it really blossomed. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, even so something as two dimensional um, in some ways as paper dolls can easily translate to, you know, with, I, I love the story of you like coloring and designing your own paper doll clothes. Like when you think about the flat lays that people do to um to talk about their images and stuff like that, that I don't know, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful canvas. 
on which to cast your imagination. So that sounds wonderful. I wanted to get into talking a little bit more about your uh, company and how you started this in 2015 and what led you to do the kind of work that you're doing now, because I find it utterly remarkable. Um, Folks who know me, some of my friends know that the quickest way to have me be irritated is to call something nude. Um, And I always say white people nude because I mean, because I mean, you know how it is. Like when I was a girl, like there wasn't that many places to go get. We had to, we went to church and we had to wear stockings or pantyhose to church. And if you went to Sears, which is where we would go sometimes to get, you know, hose and you would look at the, the packets and they say nude. And it was a lie. That word is a lie. The way that it's been passed down to us. Nude for um, who? Exactly. Exactly. It should be nude question mark. It should not be nude period. Um, actually, I have a, an episode, that, a short episode that I did last month talking about, and it's called, um, I think it's that flesh colored crayon and other nude and other fake nudes. That's what, that's what the name of the episode is called. And it's about me as a kid and how I got the um, 64 crayon crayon box from Crayola. You know what I'm talking Remember about? Remember it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was the and ultimate was, box. Wasn't it the ultimate box? That was like the ultimate box. It felt like you had, like someone had given you like all of the world's treasures. Right. And I still remember cracking it open and the smell of all that fresh wax crayon and stuff. And then it had a sharpener. Right. It had a back. sharpener. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that thing, but it was a crayon in it called flesh. And because I was a kid that was very literal, I thought flesh meant skin color. And so that's what I thought was the color you colored people with. And so I remember this so vividly, Tasha. I remember coloring people, like drawing my family and coloring and coloring and coloring and thinking that if I colored it more, it would get darker because why would a crayon company call something skin that didn't work for my skin? Right. Like the crayon company couldn't be wrong. Right. They couldn't be mistaken. I had to be the one that was mistaken. And maybe I misunderstood what the word meant when in fact it was just straight up racism. That's what it was. It was like the consequence of living in a white supremacist society that you could create a crayon called skin or flesh and then call it white and then have nobody and then expect that to go unchallenged. So I remember that really vividly. So anytime I see something that's flesh toned or flesh colored or nude and I'm like, what do you mean? And I I love your response. Nude for who? That's exactly right. So what brought you in 2015 to take this step to do all the work that you're doing now? 2015, um, I was working in DC at a little, I say little, it was a little, it was huge. Uh, it was a restaurant lounge called Saks, Saks Restaurant Lounge. And it was a dinner theater um, with performances of all types, lots of genres of dance, uh, you know, very theatrical performances, including costuming, sometimes super elaborate, sometimes not so much. Um, and as I while working there, one of the biggest things that I watched the other dancers deal with were, you know, skin tone tights and bras and things that just weren't quite nude. So I always kind of in the back of my mind was like, how many can that be created? And at the time, there were some companies that were creating uh, fishnet tights um, in many different skin tones, more that were, more than were offered, I guess, at your average store. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I, I think a little bit of a seed was planted, but I didn't really have a solution yet. Um, and then after that, um, I actually left D.C. and I moved back home here in Louisiana. And uh, one of my clients at the time, as I jumped into sewing you know, exclusively for a living, um, needed a nude colored part to the, to the garment. And I was, I wasn't, I wasn't 
thrilled about using what they considered nude in the store. There was white. There right. was that cream color nude. There may have been a brown that was really kind of on the darker side. And then there was black. And that was it. Mm. And I was like, I wonder if I tried to dye this white one another tone of brown, would it work? And so I bought two different colors of dye, a tan and a brown, uh, for synthetic fabrics. And I took that dye and I went into my kitchen and I took a couple pieces of fabric and I started testing to see if it would give me a color that was even close to what a skin tone color would be. Because you can get browns, but it's not a color of someone's skin. Right. So, um, and as I played around with the colors and things of that nature, I, I came upon the original 15 colors, which I was thrilled about. That's amazing. And from the 15 colors, I kind of, I picked a color that was closest to her skin tone. And, you know, at that point, it was just kind of like, okay, now I have a solution for myself when people come to me for a new garment. But I hadn't thought outside of the box from that point yet. That's kind of just where it was. I am so glad that you decided to think outside of the box because it is a huge box. Um, There's so many people who want what you are producing and who have a, a really urgent need for it. And so I really love how you said that your background was in costuming and design and working with costumes where you needed to have the illusion of skin. And I'm looking at um, some of the beautiful costumes and garments on your page. Um, are these for carnival? There, there are a few there that were created for, for carnival or for general purpose. Sometimes I just create things just to create, <laughs> especially when I have downtime and I, I have a lot of uh, accessories that I need to either get rid of or I just feel inspired. Well, Natasha has certainly inspired me. I'm speaking with Natasha Clute of Tosh Designs. After the break, we'll talk more with Natasha about her range of 15 colors for black women exponentially blossomed into a huge field of beautiful and delicious colors. Stay tuned to learn more. Stitch Please, the Black Women's Stitch podcast, talks a lot about sewing. But if you'd like to see some of what we're discussing, we invite you to follow us on the socials. On Facebook, you can find us at Stitch Please. And on Instagram, you can find us at Black Women's Stitch. On Instagram, you'll find a lot of great pictures and compelling social commentary. In addition, you can participate in a weekly live Instagram chat at 3 p.m., on Thursdays at Eastern Standard Time. So follow us on the socials, Facebook at Stitch Please and Instagram at Black Women Stitch and get your stitch together. I'm joined today by Natasha Clute of Tosh Designs. Let's tune in and hear about how creativity and creating something for herself led to this beautiful array of melanated fabrics and hear more about how Tasha's focus, her combination of creativity and chemistry, her diligence and willingness to start over has led to this really amazing, gorgeous set of fabrics that Black women can now enjoy. Stay tuned. Tell me, why do you think it's important to have uh, for folks, for sewists to be able to have access to meshes and foundation garments or foundation fabrics that match their skin. When, when you, when you're making a garment for someone that essentially is supposed to be nude or unseen, the key word is unseen. So whatever that element is, whether it's, you know, the arms, whether it's the the middle bodice or whatever that is it in order for it to be 
in the sense of illusion is what the term they use. Um, it's important for it to be the same as their skin tone so that you don't see. And that's I, do, I love it is it is difficult. And I think I mean, if you recognize that it's difficult and I recognize that it's difficult just as someone who's never tried to dye anything. Um, and I love the word illusion here because I think it is important just stepping out, stepping back a bit and thinking um, socially that it's interesting to me that this illusion, like while one illusion is broken, the illusion, for example, that you have black folks who have to wear these new fabrics, these fake nudes that look terrible on them that don't match at all. It's also maintaining another illusion and that's the illusion that whiteness is universal and that anybody can wear um, this fake nude. Anybody can wear um, pink ballet slippers and have it match. Anybody can wear or draw in their family with a, a flesh colored crayon. And I think that that is just one of those dangers of really small and subtle danger of what it means to live in a white supremacist society because whiteness is positioned as the default, is positioned as neutral, as something that anybody can have access to. And that's totally false. I was thinking about the ballet slippers. I'm not sure if you saw there was a story. I did, a, I did. A few I... years ago. Do you remember that? Wasn't that amazing? Tell me. T so my understanding of it was there was a company that was going to start making nude or flesh colored ballet slippers for black dancers. Is that the one you mean? Yes. And they have. So, Yes. So tell me more, like, tell me why that's exciting to you. I know why it's exciting to me. Well, first of all, exciting for me, exciting for my dancer friends, first of all, because that was like one of the biggest issues and, and what they had to do and uh, some of them had to do was use, I guess, marker or fabric pens or, or makeup in order to make their ballet slippers or dance shoes the same color as their skin um, so important and excited for for them for that and um, at the same time that that I think it was released and it was kind of you know being shared on social media and things I found that was around the same time that I was actually in the kitchen <laughs> whipping up the initial batch of, of skin tone colors so it kind of just, I guess, gave me that, you know, inspiration that I needed to say, okay, so, you know, I'm not the only one out here and it's beginning. Like the, the, the mindset is changing to where it's like, okay, this, it's been this way this long and this hasn't existed. It's, it's about time that it did. And more than myself or, you know, there were other people out there that were actually making moves toward that goal. So that that's why it was exciting for me. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on to a little bit of something. But at that, again, at that time, I, you know, I was just doing it for my personal reasons. I had no intentions on putting it out there for the world. It was just to kind of like for me personally as a seamstress and a designer. I think that's really great because what it shows is that when you make something that kind of answers a specific need, a need that you have, it just shows how likely it is that it's a need that somebody else has. And I think what you've identified, at least in my opinion, is this huge global need. Do you know how many black people are sick and tired of trying to wear fake nude pantyhose? Like a lot. I found you know? that out. <laughs> I've and like it's it's absolutely true and so like what you're doing is really incredibly innovative and it's powerful and it's restorative and by restorative i mean like it's res it's helping to restore black people at the center of their own stories of how we dress of how we want to clothe our body if i wanted to wear um an, a, a garment that required illusion fabric I would be very challenged to find that at any local shop. I just would, you right. know, um, it just, it's not something that would come up. Right. right. Um, you know, uh, as, um, 
as about as as Tressy as Tressy um Cotton talks about. So I'm a regular black girl, right? Dark skin, regular black girl, 4C hair, right? Like that is who I am. And the fabrics that are meant to be for my skin tone are very minimal. They are very hard to find. If when I, when I used to do representational quilts and I could find different brown skin tone fabrics and they were passable, but they weren't made with any deliberate care, in my opinion. So they would have like three or four different white people color. And then they would have two black people color. And it just felt so lazy and so, you know, just like I'm sure people who are much more expert in the makeup world, I don't do a lot of stuff with makeup, but I know that this has also been an issue there where you have like, you know, we have a Clinique counter at on my campus and I just walk over there just for kicks and giggles because I'm never buying anything. But, you know, because nothing matches, nothing is nothing. They don't have anything over there for me, you know? And so you see they have like this huge array of foundation and 80% of them are for white people. Um, and I'm like, how do you, I don't know, it just seems so, I don't know, solipsistic. I'm not sure what the right word is um, other than just a, another form of racism to imagine that um, there are some folks who are worth meeting the needs of, and there's some folks who are not. And unfortunately, like when it comes to, as you said, with the world of dance, by not having flesh-toned leggings and tights and um, illusion fabrics and ballet slippers for Black folks, it sends this subtle message that this is not for you. And I think that that is, that is one of those negative consequences of something that some, some might see as so superficial and not that important, but is pretty important. I believe this. <laughs> So let's talk a bit more about the the um how you transitioned from fifteen fabric colors to eighty five. How did that happen? Mm, I have no idea. It's all a blur. Um, so it's been it's been about a year. Um, but in the first, I want to say six months, um, I I had the fifteen colors and I was I was perfectly okay with the fifteen colors. But I hadn't really done the whole bit. I hadn't made all my variables consistent. I was just kind of playing with it. So I said, let me sit, let me go, and let me let me make sure that my water is consistent temp, the same amount, the same amount of, you know, the same fabric, the same size fabric, like putting everything together, you know, scientifically to where if I were going to branch out and do this, you know, put it out there to the world, I could duplicate, which is one of the things that would be important if you're going to build a product with this as opposed to just doing it personally for myself. Um, so I set out to kind of write down formulas and, and those, that type of thing. And through that experience, uh, I created 25 colors. Um, and, th- and that was fine with me again. I was fine with the 25 colors. And 25 is good. 25 I don't know why I need more than 25. <laughs> 25 <laughs> is a lot of colors. It's a lot of colors. And those were just, again, just the colors that, to me, were colors that would be the actual color of a person. I mean, I got way more than 25, but only 25 of them made the cut. I went with the 25 colors and at that point I put it out there to the world gently and I got a little bit of feedback and a little bit of interest and I was excited about it. People started, you know, ordering the swatches and asking questions and ordering fabric. And I said, okay, this is a good thing. And I had some issues that came about with the initially with the fabric. Um, not being consistent, ordering, you know, one type of fabric and being having having it being this content, and then ordering it again and something different, and that that was a battle. So then I was on the search for a vendor that would be more consistent. So I found that, um, and the dye was 
just something that I would buy over the counter, just a RIT product. And that was okay in the beginning. And RIT decided to change one of their formulas on one of their dyes. So that changed everything for me. And it kind of threw everything off. So those formulas that created the, the one color would not work the same with a different version of the dye that they created, the newer version. And then depending wow. on where you ordered it from, you would get dye from a different batch. Luckily, they their products are labeled with the batch number on the top. So you can see which batch it came from. So you can almost know whether or not it's going to work or not. But the issue was that every time I bought a bottle, it may have three or four different batches that it came from. And I was just like, it became impossible. And when it became impossible, I was just like, I don't think this is going to work. So I had to start from scratch and start over. So I started over and the, the, the new, uh, well, the third, it would be the third test run created 55 colors. Oh my gosh. Oh my so, gosh. This is like, you know, it's just multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. That's amazing. And and what happened was I got a little bit more um, disciplined with all of the factors that are involved in the process of dyeing. So, you know, making all the moving parts of it solid. So making the amount solid, making the water tank solid. I've already talked about that. And I had a conversation with RIT or the representatives from RIT and they were still in limbo on the, the main color that I was using to create the color. And after we, we actually stayed on the phone for about three hours discussing, wow. discussing, and they're really helpful, really, really helpful. And they were really impressed with the number of colors that I had created. I actually talked to the guy who his main job is to color test and make formulas for colors that are, you know, writ colors. And I don't know if you've ever been to the website, but writ has a a long list of their color directory and it has a formula yes. for the color so that you don't have to guess. They've already done it for you. That's amazing. So. No, and no, I have never gone to the wit website <laughs> and looked at the colors. I, the thing, I, the words you're saying, I don't know if you've ever seen this. There's a, um, there's a comic by, I think it's Gary Larson called the far side and it's called talking to cats. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a person talking to a cat. And the only thing the cat understands is its name. So it's saying blah, 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 ginger. That's what the person's <laughs> reprimanding the cat. So when you're talking, you're talking, it's like, blah, 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 die lot, blah, 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 formula. I'm like, these are the words I understand. Okay. She said, die lot. I know what that is. Formula. I know what that is. Everything else. I'm just going to nod and put it in the podcast. Cause this sounds awesome. This is going to be fantastic. So you keep going, friend, you are slaying it. But what I am learning is that this is chemistry basically. And chemistry has to be consistent in order to get consistent results. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Even the, and, even the things that you don't see, like down to the pH of the water. Oh, good Lord. I know, right? That's mm -mm, what I say. Yeah. That's not my ministry. I'm so glad you're doing this. <laughs> I really am. The more you talk, the more glad that I, the more glad I am that you are passionate about this. Because I was like, when you said you had to um, make sure the water was consistent and I'm like, how is water not consistent? Like, I don't understand. Oh yeah. So I do some, I do some baking. I do some candy making and that is the extent of my ability to be consistent with like water temperatures and stuff. That is it. I do not have the energy that you are describing that's required to create all the beautiful things that you're created. So you went from 15 to 25 to 55 and now you're at 85? 75, 85. Yes. And again, that those are just the colors that made the cut. Those are not the colors oh. that I created. Um, there were a lot that were created, but so many of them were so close in color. And it, it was like I had to kind of pick and choose the ones that I thought would be best. Mm -hmm. And also, 
And once you look at all of those colors, you're looking at colors all day. I don't know how many times I have to close my eyes for a couple of seconds and then open them again to see because at some point the colors are so close sometimes that they all just start to look alike. And I'm like, I know these two colors are not the same, but they're looking the same right. to me. And your eyes That's can right. be so tricky and your brain can perceive color in such a different way. Right. So, Especially when you're tired, I bet when you're tired and you've been bombarded and thinking about this so hard. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. So we went So from, are you still I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, so we continue. Went from fifty five to seventy five. That process um included a couple of changes. Um the the fabric became pretty consistent. However, I had to upgrade to a proline version of the dye. And what that meant was it was more along the lines of the dye that people who dye professionally use, who dye a lot, that's the line that they use, still by Ritz, but a di different. Um, and that three-hour conversation that I had with um, the representative, he suggested this. But what that meant was that I had to start the entire process over. <laughs> so what? the 85 the 85 colors came from an entirely new process a new set of dye and it took me about six months to do I actually had oh to shut gosh. the the Etsy shop down including my website shop down for about six months and I started at the beginning and I just worked my way until I I got it all back together and I'm still not a hundred percent. The website is not quite back up yet, but um, that is kind of how we ended up at, um, at 85 colors. And, and that is actually not the end. There is actually, <laughs> and it sounds crazy, but there's, there's a color that has not been tested yet that I'm wow. pretty sure will exponentially change that number. And I'm really afraid to even begin that process, but <laughs> you don't mind starting again. I don't know why you're afraid. Well, I, mean, I don't have to you... <laughs> start again. I don't have to start again this time. Like I have a solid, I mean, my, See, my you got a head start solid this time and formulas are solid and everything is solid. What's going to happen is, uh, is I'm going to go in and insert that color into all of the other formulas little by little until we get to. Uh, whatever max number I end up at. Right. So that yeah. is amazing. That is, it's so remarkable. And I really am. I sound like I'm joking, but I am not. I am immensely grateful. And I know lots of other people are that you were willing to take the time and to do this again and again and again and again until you got it right. And you've got, and you said you're happy now with the, um, the manufacturer that you have for the fabrics. You've got more consistency there. So are you feeling like you're on pretty strong footing right now? I think I'm pretty, I'm, I feel pretty strong. Um, I know that there are probably a couple of things that I probably could benefit from having, you know, more contact with wholesale vendors. Um, but outside of that, you know, I think everything is pretty solid. I do offer several different types of fabric. Um, but I right. have that not was explored mm -hmm. I have not explored those fabric mediums on a wholesale level yet. Yes. So yes. It's, it's a big, big fabric world out there. It's true. It is a big, big fabric world out there. Let's stay tuned to my conversation with Natasha Clute of Tosh Designs and find out about how she is making such a significant contribution to that huge world of fabric, particularly insofar as centering the needs of black women as an overlooked consumer in the market of nude, quote unquote, nude and illusion fabrics, and how she has been able to provide an amazing product that many of us will appreciate. It is a huge fabric world out there and you are making such an important mark on it. You really are such an important contribution. Um, I wanted to talk about the three weights of fabric that you offer. Is that correct? It's three weights. It's three different types of mesh. Am I, am I, am I right in that? Here's the thing with the mesh. 
it is not categorized in such a way that distinguishes different meshes by kind. It doesn't have like a different name to okay. separate it from one from the other. Mm-hmm. So you may have a company that calls it stretch mesh and, yes. and that's what they call it. And then the next company may call it power mesh. Yes. And when you look at it, it's the same thing. And then vice versa, you can have a company call it stretch mesh and one call it power mesh and they're two different meshes. So exactly. that in and of itself has been a, a learning curve. And, and the only thing that I can do at this point, you know, I'm way in Louisiana, don't really have access to these big companies as of yet. So what I do is I, the best that I can do is order it, order samples or order, you know, large amounts of it and test it to see how it reacts, compare it to others. So the names of the mesh kind of are the general names that I have kind of put together based on the, the mesh that I've come, have come across my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each one a little bit different in the way that they look more so than the content the the, the yes. fiber content okay okay if that makes do sense. you have that does make that, that does make sense i think what i would like to know and that's because i ordered some recently i haven't gotten my order yet but i am very trust it's on me, the way. Very, I know it is i'm not i'm not, i wasn't call, i wasn't calling shade i was really saying i'm like really looking forward to it um, was that I, you know, there's different meshes, as you know, as a performer and as sewing for performances that do different things. And so I've been really into lingerie sewing lately and bra making in particular. I've been sewing my own underpants and panties for years. That's not a big deal. But the bras was something that I'm really excited to get into. And I've, I've almost, you know, I made one and that didn't, it didn't work. I'm, I custom designed another one. Um, take, taking a class that fit my actual self and that's great. And I just tweaked it and now I'm ready to make a real one. And I want it to be my skin, skin tone. And it's like, oh, well, too damn bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw your, uh, your meshes and I'm like, oh my gosh, after, after Quinoa Renee told me about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to order some. So I ordered a, a bunch of different, you know, swatches and stuff to try, but I, that's what I was hoping that it would be good. Um, I guess some people call it power mesh because it has, I mean, maybe you could talk about it in the, in relation to the degree of stretch it has, like it has maybe okay. 10% stretch or 7% stretch. I'm not sure, but it stretches a little less than some of the other ones because some, other, you know, first of all, I do not want a pair of power mesh draws um, because I need to walk around and um, go throughout my day without feeling like I'm wearing some type of chastity belt. So I need a different kind of mesh if I'm going to wear a mesh panty than if I'm going to wear a mesh bra. Bra, you want it to be tight. You want it to not stretch so much. So do you offer those two different kinds? There's a stretch mesh and and how I describe the stretch mesh. It is like a power mesh. It is more stretch. It has more stretch than your traditional power mesh. Um, The the stretch goes a long way and it's a four-way stretch. When it's not mm-hmm. stretched, just kind of sitting there, it is reminiscent of pantyhose. Has a very yes. soft look, but it's not mm-hmm. thin like pantyhose. Okay, so that's kind of how I distinguish. And unfortunately, with the with the s- stretch or smash, I call it for short. Smash! Oh, that's cute. Smash! <laughs> so I, I like that better than stretch mesh because oh, smash! Oh, that's so cute. I like it. Continue. And what I like about what I, what I um, how it differs is that um, sometimes it might borderline between the stretch mesh and the power mesh. So sometimes depending on the vendor and sometimes with the same vendor, I'll get the same uh, fabric ball to roll and it'll just be slightly off. And what that is, mm. is that instead of it being 96.4, it might be 93.7. Or it might be, you know, like the the fiber content might be slightly different, and so that will change a little bit how the fabric looks. Sometimes power mesh again a little bit more dense. It doesn't have as much stretch. Right. I I try to 
describe it by using the term dense. I don't know if that fits when you're talking about yeah, fabric. Yeah, that makes but sense. Like it, it's, I wouldn't say stiffer because that's in another category of fabric. Yeah, because it's not stiff because it does it's move. Not stiff, right, right. But it's it's dense, but it's it's the same weight, but mm-hmm. less less stretch, definitely less yeah. stretch than your snatch. And then next to that would be in the power mesh or ish category would be mm-hmm. your super power mesh. And that's yes. the one that's kind of used for, it's used for body shapers, compression, that kind of thing. Yes. 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 And then there's. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing that on the site. All right. And then there's another one that's one step above that one, which is. One step above more. body shaper. Is it like bulletproof? Yeah, it's. It's. <laughs> It's it's even more like on the surface it looks just like your cotton fabric, but then when you touch it, it does stretch so. But mm. it it really gives. I mean, it. I haven't made anything with it, but I know like whatever I make with it is is gonna be definitely smoothing. So yes, it's yes. a little bit heavier I, heavier weight than your super. So cotton. like a more intense shapewear. Not Correct. like even a standard shapewear, no, but a more intense shapewear. Very different. Correct. Okay. And I've well, added I think... those examples mm-hmm. to the. I've added those examples to the listings, so that people could physically see those. Uh, yes. Side by yes. side, so that they could at least see it. Not the same as touching and feeling it, but at least you kind of see what the difference is. And if you are somewhat familiar with fabrics, or if you're if you're a seamstress or designer, you probably put your hands on it at some right. point. So. Right. And that's one of the things I love about your site. I love the swatch sets that you offer. I really like the swatch sets that you offer. I'm that's why I'm looking forward to getting mine. And that I'm looking forward to seeing the colors and seeing like what matches. And because you know, of course, computer screens are so different than what our eyes see in real life, and all of that makes a big difference. And then I'm really eager to see the weights. Another thing I think is so interesting about your site is that a lot of your colors are named after food. So <laughs> what made you think to to do that? To, did that make it more memorable? Was there a certain suggestion where somebody made someone made, that someone make a suggestion to you about food names? I mean, I looked through your site and I was like, gosh, I think I'm hungry. <laughs> it's easy to do. <laughs> I act I I think. When I think about brown colors, all of the things, besides people that are brown, all the things that are brown are dessert for me. And I think mm. brown. And so in my mind, and I'm a junk food junkie, so I guess that might still be a part. Mm-hmm. Me too. That. Same. <laughs> Same. So... It just was easier to create color names based on the desserts that I like. And I like them all. So when I would look <laughs> at the color, when I would look at the colors, I'd be like, that kind of looks like the color of bread. And I was like, mm-hmm. and Bananas so Foster, Pound Cake, and, yeah, and Brownie. Um, all right. Cinnamon Roll. Yes. And, you know, all of the other tasty colors. And, and once I, I think it was just one. I don't remember which one it was that set the tone for that idea. I just remembered picking that as a color. And I, and my, I guess a little angel said, hey, won't well, you make all of the colors, the names of food? And then I had to really sit down and think about a lot of the colors took some thought because I was like, yes. I know what it looks like. I can't think of what. And then I just sit there and look at it until it will come to me and I'd be like, Oh, it does kind of look like that. And then there it is. That, <laughs> it's simple. That than... is wonderful. That is what, I mean, it's funny to, I love one of the things I like about it is that, you know, you have all this really intense chemistry, you know, you've got to get the right dialogue and what happens when they change the base formula. And then you have to, what they do is several different batches in the same bottle and all of this and then the water content the water temperature consistency and all that and then you're like oh i think i'm gonna call this one reese cup you know or <laughs> oh my this looks like um this looks like a bra- this looks like a brownie this looks like you know 
um, you know, cake, you know, pound cake, the outside of grandma's pound cake, you know, um, which now I kind of want some pound cake now that I think about it. Um, but no, this is, this has been a wonderful, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. Um, what is your next big step? Where are you heading next for your next, what do you see, um, this process and your project going next? Um, hmm. well, I, I really, I didn't start this out as a product. So everywhere that it's gone has just been really just amazing for me. Um, so wherever it goes, it's perfectly fine. I do know that as I progress with it, that um, I am, I have to think about those things. So what I would like to see for the product as a whole is that it would be offered ex- exclusively in more than just the mediums that I have available, um, mm-hmm. including span- your spandex, your your oh, satins, yeah. your like yeah. all of your fabrics that could be used in the design and seamstress world as a nude fabric, you know, in a garment. Right. And then secondly, I would also um, like to maybe see, I don't know, it's just so, it, it could go in so many ways. Like, I just see, I just see it being a, a, great thing for designers and for seamstresses mm-hmm. for people but yeah. for designers and seamstresses who and I run think into that, this issue very often yes and I think it really is changing a lot of people's minds and opening up possibilities for what's available to us you know and so I mean that's why I really don't want to underestimate the contribution that you are making to helping to revolutionize um, the sewing and maker community for inclusivity. Um, and, you know, and I think that that is something that you should be very proud of. Um, that's something that you are basically saying, we are not a monolith um, and that you cannot use the word nude and have it without some type of caveat because you have 85 colors over there that could be considered that are somebody's nude. Um, and unless someone is doing that and I haven't seen anybody else try, um, they, we owe you a huge debt of, um, gratitude for your hard work and your inspiration and the way that you're helping to push this forward. And I'm also very excited to have a really cute bra and panty set coming up pretty soon out of your fabric. That's going to match, it's going to match my skin made out of your smesh. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see it. (laughs) I'm excited to see. It. I love that. I love to see products that people make, and from time to time they will post them or they will share them with me, and it, and it feels really good because it's like, you know, you did that, and I'm and I'm yes. I guess I you did. I really don't think about it like that because again, it was just kind of something that I was doing to feel a personal need, and it never thought for a second like how huge it really was. Until yes. now. <laughs> yes. And I think that, you know, you could say this was a personal need, but like, oh, look, she made something and she made something and he made something and she made something and she, yeah. And like, where would we be if you hadn't done this, you know? Um, and so I think that you should be incredibly proud um, of what you've accomplished. And I know that when you get ready to turn the page, it's going to be another exciting part of your story. Tell folks how they can find you, um, your website address, Instagram and stuff. And I'll be sure to include that on the show notes. Okay. Um, you can find me on Tosh.com. That's T-A hyphen O-S-H.com. And Tosh, on, Tosh Designs on Instagram and Tosh Designs on Facebook. And it's all spelled the same way? Uh, Tosh Designs is one word. Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with us. I've been talking today with Natasha Clute of ToshDesigns.com. Be sure to check the show notes to find out the links to the products that Tasha was talking about with us today. And stay tuned for our wrap up. And thanks again for coming in.
Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stitch Please, the Black Women's Stitch podcast. Let's continue the conversation. Come find us on the socials. We're at Black Women's Stitch on Instagram, where we have a very active page. And you can also find us on Stitch Please on Facebook. We also would love to hear from you. So feel free to email us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. There are three big ways you can support this project, and one of them you're doing already. By listening to the podcast, you're really helping us. So thank you for doing that. In addition, if you rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast with other folks, that helps the podcast to grow, and it also gives the algorithm that manage podcasts information that will also help our podcast thrive. The third way to help the podcast is for those of you all who happen to have a little extra change burning a hole in your pocket. And if you don't have any plans to use it to buy your 20th or in my case, 378th big four pattern, that's how many I have in my top pattern drawer, about 378 patterns. You could take that money that you would spend at the pattern sale and give it to us. We are accepting donations at our Patreon site where you can donate as little as $2 a month, or you could buy us a coffee at ko.fi and small donations are greatly accepted and appreciated. So thank you for considering that. If you would like a transcript of this episode, you can find that at our website at stitchpleasepodcast.com. And we also ask that you check the show notes where we have lots of additional information and supplemental information for what we discussed in the podcast. You can find affiliate links there for the products that we like. You can find web links to the black women that we've been talking about here on the show to elevate and center their work. And you can also find the info we mentioned about donations as well as our email link. All of that is available at stitchpleasepodcast.com. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time. Come back and we'll help you get your stitch together.